If you're ready for an epic family vacation, there's no better place than sunny Orlando. Exciting thrills, never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, outdoor adventures, and Florida's natural springs, and so much more. Orlando has it all. And Visit Orlando's vacation planners can help you plan the perfect trip. In Orlando, anything is possible, if you can imagine it. And that's what makes Orlando unbelievably real. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Welcome back to the God's Honest Truth Now. My bros, Ed Sheeran, came to town, so we had a chin wag in my very own club reparations. Check it out. How does it feel to be a white man uh, being the first person interviewed in a place called Club Reparations? <laughs> I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. How, how, how you feeling? I know you was dealing with, with COVID. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I had flu from my daughter because she went to play school and caught, caught it and came back. So me and my wife got that. So as soon as I got ill, I just started testing every day just in case because you never know nowadays. And I was fine. And then I was doing these like long, long days where I would do get up at like 5.30 and do back-to-back Zooms till like 9.30 p.m. And then I'd get up at 3 a.m. the next day to go to France. But And I was just running low on energy. And then one day I caught it. But no one around me did. Mm-hmm. I remember, like, it was, it must have been because I was, like, really, really low on uh, energy. But, did, yeah. did, did you have a mild case or was it intense? I heard you say you had a, a rough three days. Well, it was, I had flu as well. So it was, I kind of had been, I'd been hit with two things. So as I was getting over the flu, then suddenly, like, taste when I started getting, like, sharp pains in my leg. My chest was all tight and stuff. And, it, yeah, it, so it was... But man, I'm I'm like I'm through I'm through the other side of it now. I do think it was the universe's way of telling me to slow down a little slow bit. Slow down. It was just happening like three days before you spend four years making an album and five months doing all the promo leading up to this one week, and then like you have to cancel everything. But that's interesting though, because you always take breaks. Yeah. It's not like you go full steam ahead. So, so. Well, no, but I take breaks from like being out and about and being on social media. Like I feel like not posting on Instagram means that you don't exist. So mm. like there's a singer in England called Lewis Capaldi at the moment who's like he's in studio every single day. But he's just not posting about it. So people are just like, oh, he must be like having a break. But so I was I was still working every day. But I uh, yeah, I just I wasn't telling people about it. Well, congrats on the new album Equals, man. You know what I'm saying? We got to talk about the, uh, the record's tides on the new album. First bars, the first bars are, I have grown up, I am a father now. Yeah. What's that mean to you? Well, I wanted the first song on the album. Firstly, like, I, like, I, I just love structuring an album and having a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And I wanted the first song on the album to sort of creep in 
volume wise and you go oh it isn't loud enough you turn it up and then it just slaps you with noise and the first verse is just chaos and it's just this is my life and it's all the things that have happened in the last four years and then when it gets to the chorus the calm sets in and everything drops out and it's just time stops still when you're in my arms and then it goes back into chaos and that's pretty much how my life has been since becoming a father not that having a kid isn't chaotic because she is mental mm -hmm. but um having sort of living in the countryside and having this sort of uh family life that nothing really touches and then you go into the city and you're back into the music industry and it is just chaotic every single day and then you go back into the countryside and everything shuts down again so this, the song was basically a reflection of that but then you say everything has changed but i am the same yeah somehow well you you'll know this man because you're a dad i remember holding lyra for the first time and being like I, I, you know, you haven't slept. You've, you've just seen the person you love most in the world in the most amount amount of pain, and um, yeah, it just took a while to to switch. And I remember just feeling exactly the same for a long time and being like, when do I become a dad? Like I know I am a dad, but when do I feel like a dad? And it just gradually sort of changes over time. Do you feel love differently now? Because they always say you don't really know what love is until you have children. It's definitely love, but I think it's worry that you feel more. I worry, like I, I say in the song, like I've never been afraid of death. I never, like ever, I've just been like, okay, what, whatever happens, happens. I, if I die tomorrow, I've, I've had a good life. But I'm terrified of it now, not for me dying, but the fact that Lyra would grow up without a parent. Uh, there's a song on the album called Leave Your Life that, that came about. My friend had passed away and his funeral had happened and I spoke to his daughter and she said, look, he said at the end of every single conversation, I love you. So the last thing he ever said to me was, I love you. Wow. Um, yeah, and I, and I was like, fuck. So I started doing it with my parents. I started doing it with Cherry. And then I suddenly realized my daughter's six months old. She doesn't fucking know. So the song was basically me trying to create physical evidence that you know if something happened tomorrow, she would know at 18 years old. There's this song that exists and that I did, you know? You, you're thinking about death too much nowadays. Dad. I, you, said, you said you had some same dream every night, a bullet through my brain, the moment that I closed my eyes like I think I've never that? but the thing is I've never really thought about death that much because I've never really had anyone die around me I've had mm -hmm. my grand I've had my grandparents pass away but when you were young everyone's grandparents die so that's just part of life and you just go okay my grandparents will die one day but it honestly like when when Michael died in March it really hit home how final life can be and Absolutely. I've never I've never ever and this is this is why the album's called called equals and there's butterflies and it's I feel like it's the end of a question and the start of an answer and it's it's all about life and all about death and all about the cycle I, and you're right I've, I am focused on death now because I've had new life entered into my life and then seen a close friend of mine I didn't even get to say goodbye he just went that was it I can't ever say anything to him again and you realize how fragile life is but also how important life is when when you have a child and I know it's like I'm I I think this will probably be the one album where I focus on it because it's the first time I'd actually probably been through grief or the first time that I'd brought new life into the world. But it's de it's definitely it's definitely the first time I've ever uh, had this this much of a view of it. You know, I see grief happen around me all all the time, and I I can uh, connect with it, mm -hmm. but not on not on the same level as when it actually happens to you. And actually, the the gravity of it's so fucking huge, and it just shifts your whole perception of what life is. Are you still having those dreams? The the, the bullet through the yeah, brain. Yeah, I started and having. What those... causes that? Like, where the bullet coming from? I think like sort of depression runs in 
genes. Absolutely. I felt it. I've seen other people in my family. I've seen it's it's just a gene that runs through our family. And I didn't really want to write that. Or I didn't want to sing that line because I didn't want members of my family to see that and be like, oh my God, like we need to sort of have an intervention there. You know, I'm a big therapy proponent. I go to therapy yeah. every week because of those generational curses that run through families. You ever did any therapy? I thought about it. No. I honestly think writing songs is my therapy. Mm -hmm. I write songs every single day and I can't not write songs. I'm not saying I would never go to therapy, but I've never needed to up until this point because I can write lines like that and it makes sense when I put it down. And I think feel like sometimes if I have a really shit day and I feel really down and I pick up a guitar and I write a song and then at the end of it I go, right, well out of that situation I've got this and this is something good and this is something that's gonna make my life better. All right, let's take a sip of coffee, man. You know I me. Mean? This is mate. You've, you've you've got me to go deeper than fucking any other interview <laughs> in the first first ten minutes. Jesus. You know I want, I, the deepness of your lyrics, right? Do you think the deepness of your lyrics sometimes gets lost because people label you a pop artist and the sound is popish? Yeah, yeah. I, I like, and I know, I know. If I'd have produced this album, if I'd have gone, if I'd have gone in with Rick Rubin again and stripped it all back and made it like people listen to it differently. They just they 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 just do. People, people already made up their mind on what the album was before it came out. Like, whenever I release an album, it feels like the Olympic insults, insult Olympics of um, like music critics who just like, they're, <laughs> they're like, oh my God, who can do the best one? And then they just, they just go for it. But I like, yeah, man, people, people make their mind up, but like Divide got savaged. Divide ended up selling 25 million copies. Multiply got savaged. Multiply ended up selling 20 million copies. Plus got savaged. That and mate, collaborations is the most savage thing. And I promise you, your plaque is coming. I chased, I ch ch chased up. Collaborations is the most savage piece of work that I've I've put out. And I think it's because it it wasn't in a genre that made sense for me. I was just trying out things. But that that ended up selling 10 million. So mm -hmm. people do like them. They just like I'm not a cool act and it's very very easy to shiss on me because it's the i'm like i'm i'm synonymous with uh uncool music and music but i mate, i promise you all i all i need to do on a record is just switch the production to cool production and the, the songs are still there and you just switch it to like i'll go in and make a I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to name 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 names. But you could you could you could just choose a really really cool left of center in, mm -hmm. indie producer. Go in, record overpass graffiti with some like weird samples and weird weird, weird sound. I released I released a song called Afterglow that was going to be on this 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 record. That all of my friends that love that sort of music, that love James Blake, that love Bon Iver, they're like, oh my god, why can't you do this? This is this the music we want to hear from you. But Afterglow could easily be produced like this stuff on the album and just fit in and everyone would think it was, was shit. So some, sometimes songs are um, in the production. Mate, sometimes songs are in the fucking track listing. I mean, like when Eminem uh, put out Revival, I mean, I, I know you weren't a fan of that, that record, but I actually quite liked the album. But people had sort of made their mind off, uh, up about it based on the features. So they mm -hmm. saw the features lists and went, oh, this isn't going to be good. They didn't even listen to it, which is why now he just drops albums out out of the blue, and I think the next project I do will be dropped out of the blue. It's something I chatted to um, Taylor about because she would, she's always the she does the rollout, and you have the first single and the second single, and then and then the album comes. But people, I put out bad habits, and people go, "Oh, it's going it's going to be this kind of album." You put out shivers, and then a bit more, they go, "It's going to be this kind of album." But when you give people 
no opportunity to make their mind up and no, and no opportunities for anyone else to shift their perception, you know, because sometimes if you see a pitchfork article that shits on something, you'll, that, it, you've kind of in your head already decided. Absolutely. Like I've, also with the, with the Drake record, I feel like I, I, I had to listen to that without listening to any noise around it because people love to post reviews three minutes after and they go, ah, oh, this, this. And I had to like actually go in two, three weeks, listen to the songs, work, work out whether I actually liked it. And I did. But had I listened to other people, you walk, in, you walk into a situation without, um, uh, with someone else kind of nudging you into mm -hmm. another opinion. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's why I think what Beyonce did when she dropped her surprise album. Yeah, yeah. It was so genius because the only thing you could critique was the music. You couldn't critique anything else but the music. Lemonade was a great album, but people critiqued the relationship. And you know, Jay caught all the flack before yeah. people actually. So you mean took the Beyonce, the, the, the self-titled album? Yeah, the self-titled yeah, yeah. one. Because can you really believe a critic if they've already got their mind made up about you? My albums are. They're not. Uh, listen once kind of re record. I have so many songs on, on this. this like I, I played you Tides before and you messaged me yesterday and you were like, now I'm like, you've got, you've got the lyrics and you truly hear it and you can, you can read into it. And maybe in like a year's time, there'll be another song that you like draw, draw, draw into more. But I find that with, the more you play something, the more you, you understand it. And I will never ever listen to a record just once. I'll listen to it many, many times. I, rem mate, I remember when Yeezus came out, and really not understanding that. I still hate it. I I fucking love it. I really like it. But you I remember when back. it came out being like... Didn't like it. Yeah. No, but I had that reaction when yeah. it came out. But the more and more I played it, and in hindsight, it's... I mean, it's not Dark Twisted Fantasy, but it is still a great record. I'm gonna go back to it. Uh, first times, on first times, you say the simplest things in life can make a man. What would have been some of those simple things for you? Well, I mean, the first line of the song, I wanted to go like pure grandiose and be like, because everyone, everyone thinks that to make it, like I get so many people confused. I haven't got awards in my house. I have, I have like, you know, I have a, the, the pub and that's where I would put the Brit Awards and the Grammys and the NRJs and the, the, all, the, all, the, all the big awards are in, are in the pub. And I don't, I don't have awards in my house apart from one award, which is the number one award for bad habits. And it's because when Bad Habits came out, the first three days, it looked like it was a complete bomb. And then I, throughout the week, it built and built and built and went to number one. And I remember when it went to number one, it was the first time I was like, um, I can't take anything for granted. This, this actually means the world to me. This, this, the fact that I thought that the run was over and whatever. So I have this wow. award in my house to remind myself to never take anything for granted. So my, my point is, everyone puts lots of importance on the achievements and the things that you've done. And uh, the biggest thing I had ever done was play Wembley Stadium. Um, and as, a, as an Englishman, that is the, that's the home of England football. That's England's national stadium. It's the biggest um, stadium in, I think, I think in, in Europe. And when you get to play there, everyone would be like, you're done, you've made it. And I remember playing it and walking off stage and being like, it was all right. It was a gig, like it would, mm -hmm. I, but I didn't feel anything. And then I went backstage and my wife was there and she opened up two beers and she gave me a beer and we just sat and chatted and I started getting butterflies. And I was like, why didn't I get butterflies when I was on stage at Wembley? That's so mm -hmm. weird. I've just done this fucking massive thing and now I'm doing such a small, simple thing that is actually making me feel everything. And it's the same, 
Same thing I said, buzzing seeing my daughter walk or hearing her say pasta, you know, like that, that those, those are the simple things that make a man. And the song is about all the little first times that are insignificant when, when they happen. Going out for my first date with Cherry in Brooklyn and drinking a glass of red wine on a stoop. And that was our first date and our first red wine and the first night that we kissed. And the first, you know, it was just, but all those things now, now I'm married to her and we've got a kid, are gargantuan. They're, they're the things that created it. But at the time, they're so insignificant. Um, and so by having the first fight, you said. Yeah, yeah, pre yeah, yeah. Precisely, precisely. Knowing that you have the argument and what I say, uh, we, and, and we made it out alive. And then you get to the other side of it and you're like, oh, I still like you. And that, and that you know, we, we have loads of arguments now and we know we're going to make up because we've made up all of these ones. So why wouldn't we make up this one? You know, mm -hmm. and it just, it, it strengthens your, your bond. But um, That's yeah. like that with most relationships though, right? Yeah, like of course. Like if you and a person have an argument or y'all don't see eye to eye, you say things to each other, but then after that, you're like, but you know, I, I really do love this person. And I think that the honesty, I think, because I think if I had an argument with, um, no, if I had a problem with someone and then I didn't have an argument with them, it would mean that I actually didn't really want the friendship anyway and not the respect there. But the, the actual act of entering into it, entering into a, a, a conflict, being honest, and then coming out the other side of it makes you stronger. It's not that's not going to be ending anything. If we if we had a problem and and you were honest with me, that's you showing your respect for me, not your distaste for me. If you wanted right. to show distaste for me, you would just stop speaking to me, and then that would be that. You know. Mm -hmm. Do you remember when the first fight was over? Yes, yes. Oh man, and we can't bring it up. We can't. Well, me and her can't can't bring it up. We used to uh, we used to steal. Um, uh, Moscow Mule cups, you know, like the copper cups. As rich as you are, you were stealing goddamn Moscow Mule cups. Can I say, can I say, and the, it was mostly from the Barry in New, in New York, and I would always say to them, can I pay for them? So at the end of the night, I, I would pay, but we would take them from the bar. The, bar, the Barry will know, I, def, I definitely have bought them <laughs> from there before. But anyway, we were in Florence, and uh, we were staying at this lovely hotel. We were, tra we'd, we were traveling, and we'd been out to a bar, and we'd done that. And uh, in, in, in my pub, actually, there's a whole row of these uh, copper cups because they were all our first dates and they, we got the dates and whatever engraved mm -hmm. on them. And we got back to the hotel and pulled one copper cup out the bag. And I was like, well, I, that's the one I brought. And she was like, no, that's the one I brought. And that, that's where it started. Who's yeah. telling the truth? You don't believe me. You don't. And, then, and then I remember getting the copper cup. We were on this kind of mountain in Florence and just fucking huffing it over the mountain and being like, now there's no argument. <laughs> and then that was the end of stolen Moscow mule cups. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Dude. That was our first argument though. Our okay. first our first one. And we made it out alive. But if you bring it up to Jerry, it all starts up well, again. Well, who was wrong? When you look back in hindsight, who was actually wrong in that situation? <laughs> Jerry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Take a deep breath. I'm gonna ask you something. Was it was it hard writing visiting hours? Yes. Yeah. I cried writing Visiting Hours. Mm -hmm. I cried the first time I sung Visiting Hours. I sung Visiting Hours at Michael's m memorial. That was the first time I sung it. But I don't cry singing it anymore. And I don't cry listening to it anymore because it belongs to so many other people now. It came out and essentially was this song that was so personal. Like, you, I, as, as you know, with grief, grief is such a solitary thing that you shut yourself off from the world and everyone. You go, just fuck off. Let me just grieve in peace. And that's where the song was sort of finished. And um, and then when I'm coming out of that, I've got this song that's like quite, it's quite personal to me, but I know I have to release it. And I re released it on Michael's, well, around Michael's birthday and sort of made a thing 
around it. But I got approval from his family and played it to his wife and his daughter and his son and, and, and blah, blah, blah. And then it came out. And then the YouTube comments were, and you go on any YouTube comments on any song, it's always just fire emojis or like little jokes or whatever. But this is like a community of pain. And it's all these comments of all these stories of people's solitude and people's grief. And I, I was reading these and I was like, this, this is why you release a song like this. This is why, the, and I, I met a guy in London whose mum had passed away and he finds it difficult to speak to his dad now because there's just, there's just something there now. The mum's gone. And he said, I met him out and about and he said, I sent that song to my dad and it said everything I needed to say. And, my, you know, like he didn't even need to reply. He just knew. Wow. And the song, the songs like that are powerful. And now I like, yeah, as I said, I can stand on stage and sing that song and it's not my song. It's that, it's that bloke's song. It's this, it's this woman's song. It's this, it's this guy's song. It's this family's song. It's like, it, it belongs, it belongs to them now. So that's, I think music is powerful like that, that it can be used in, uh, to, it, to, to have conversation with people without having conversation with people. Mm -hmm. Like even, even like fun songs, you can just send a fun song to a friend and be like, this song made me feel, uh, this song made me think of you. But yeah, it's, 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 it's powerful. Which is why I think love songs, you know, I've, I've made my career out of love songs and they're my bread and butter. And they're, I sometimes write lyrics that I'm quite embarrassed about because they're so cheesy or you know you say like I'll, I'll love you for, for forever but those That's songs cheesy. Well, isn't cheesy but those songs uh some people find it hard to express their feelings and they can put on a song and be like he's saying what i want to say to you and that is you know the the, the communication of it and um yeah i think i think Vis visiting hours is an important song it was difficult to write but i'm really happy that i did and i'm really happy it's on the record if you're ready for an epic family vacation, there's no better place than sunny Orlando. Exciting thrills, never-ending food festivals, fresh new dining experiences, outdoor adventures, and Florida's natural springs, and so much more. Orlando has it all. And Visit Orlando's vacation planners can help you plan the perfect trip. In Orlando, anything is possible, if you can imagine it. And that's what makes Orlando unbelievably real. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com slash iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling. So when you write records like uh, Joker and the Queen, do you say to yourself, this is going to slap at weddings for years? Um, no, no, because that song didn't take that long to write. And I, when songs don't take a long time to write, I sometimes feel that that's because they're bad. Not because it's like magic in a bottle. I'm like, not that much effort went into this. Therefore, 
I don't know if it's any good. It's only now that the song's been out and about and people really like it that, yeah, I'm like, I remember playing it to you and you were like, that's going to slap the wedding. That's going to be the wedding record. Yeah. But man, you never, you, you, you never, you, you never know. You never know. I mean, I sort of knew that Perfect would be a wedding record, but I didn't know that Thinking Out Loud would be at all. You, you also say uh, when, when you proposed to Cherry, she said, are you joking? Yeah. Did you think she was going to say no? Yeah. Mate, her parents aren't, well, her parents are married now, but they only got married because we got married. But her parents dated for 30 years before getting married. So she hasn't come from a, um, a household of marriage. So she doesn't see it as an important thing. I come from, you know, a mildly religious family where it's everyone around me is married and that's just how it, how it is. So she kind of knew that it would be on the cards eventually, I guess, but she... Yeah, I think she thought it would happen a lot later on than it did. But I actually bought the ring maybe like six months after we started dating. And I, I just had it in my bag. And it was, I, I was going to propose to her after Glastonbury. I, I invited her at Glastonbury Festival in England. I invited all of my family and all of her family. And I had the ring. And I was like, after the show, it's like the big moment and then blah, blah, blah. And then when I kind of got into the after party, I was like, no, this, this ain't right. I don't want to fucking do it in front of 40 people mm -hmm. after a gig. Like, this, this feels weird. So I just held on to the ring after that, just waiting for a moment. And then I uh, sort of knew when the moment was gonna come. It was after Christmas, we were in Italy. So I got the date engraved that I was gonna do it. And then the day came and I built a pergola at the end of the garden to do it at. So watch the sunset, have a bit of wine. And then it just started raining. <laughs> it's just, just pissing it down with rain. And I was there being like, fuck, I've engraved the date on this ring. I either do it today or like we get engaged tomorrow and it's the wrong the wrong date so it got to about 9 p.m and i kept going do you want to go for a walk she'd be like no it's fucking pissing, <laughs> <laughs> pissing it down so got 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 to the end of the day we'd made some dinner opened a bottle of wine and i just got down on one knee and i was like sorry i've been a bit of a dick today because i'd been like why don't you want to go for a walk let's fucking go for a walk yeah. uh sorry i've been for a bit of a dick, dick today but will you <laughs> will you marry me she just kind of looked at me like this like you're fucking joking and then there was just a long silence i was like I mean, yes or no? And then I said, please? <laughs> <laughs> Which is why in the song, she's, I say, she said, darling, are you joking? And I just said, please. And then there was another long pause and she was like, yeah, of course. And then, and then, and, and then it was fine. But, but those are moments, and you'll know this in your, in your career, that often you'll be like, hey, can I do this? And someone will be like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Hey, can I go, can I, can I get into this sports game? Yeah, hey, can I go to this club? Yeah, can I get a reservation for this restaurant? Yeah. But in those situations, and this is the same with uh, with birth, with 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 Lyra, you are out of, you can't do anything. You can't. It's not. It's not down to you. It's down to fate. It's down to God. Right. It's down to what, whatever. And in that situation, you get down on one knee and I say, I, "Will will you marry me?" And you would think that it would just be like, "Yeah." But that was where it made it human, and it was like, "Fuck!" Like this actually might go a bit left, and I've got to accept that it goes left. Thankfully, it didn't. After listening to this album, man, I can see you just walking away and retiring at an early age. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. You don't think so? No. No, I can. Do you, know, do you know what I think retirement is for any artist? It's not quitting because you can't quit because you do that. You love it. You do mm -hmm. this. You do this for a, for, a, for a reason. It is retiring from giving a fuck. You basically retire from oh, are people going to like this? Or you retire from, this has to go number one. Or you retire from, I have to sell these tickets. Or you retire from, I'm going on tour. So you enter into a phase of life where you're just like, 
Do I want to release this song? No. But I enjoyed writing it. Do I want to go on tour? No, but I want to play this show. I want to go and sell out fucking Royal Albert Hall for one day. And uh, oh, I've made these five tunes with this random person. I'm just going to put. I'm just going to put them out. That's that for me is what retirement is. It's getting off the hamster wheel and just doing whatever the fuck you want. I think. I think there are like Jay Z. I think is in is in that phase now. He just he releases music when he wants to. He mm-hmm. tours how he wants to. It's not like it's not like it has to be a cycle where. Remember, he used to drop every single right. summer, you know, right. and, and and now he just every now and then. It's rare air though. It's like Jay, who else? Beyonce, I think. Beyonce, well. I think somebody like Chappelle, yeah. and Elton John probably. But those are those are icons. Like they're established already. Yeah. So, I mate, I've done, I've done this for a decade now. I if I have like another fifteen years, I think that's where you enter into that. I think. I know you know I know you and Elton John cool. Is, we had Young Thug on, and Young Thug was saying how Elton John, when he first met Elton John, Elton John told him to free Gucci Man. Do you believe that? Yes. Yeah. Elton is, <laughs> mate, Elton is, Elton, no, mate, the first time I, I spoke to Elton, I'd done a collaborations project uh, with UK rappers, and there was a, a rapper called Devlin who is, he's arguably one of the best rappers that um, England's had, and the whole scene knows about Devlin, but it's kind of, you wouldn't expect Elton John to, you know? And he rung me up and he was like, oh my God, I loved Devlin's album. Like, I'm so happy you got to... And that, wow. as, soon as, as soon as he said that, I was like, man, Elton knows his stuff. And when you go to Elton's house, he has a room of releases, right? And every single week, and take me down if I'm, if I'm lying here, but it, he basically gets every release, every, every release from... Like he like he'll be getting Summer Walker's release this this week and he'll and he'll he'll listen to it next week he'll be getting the Silk Sonic and the Taylor and the but gets everything and and he listens to it everything everything so he it's because his knowledge of music he told me about Kid Leroy three years ago when Kid wow. Leroy was like fifteen or whatever he was like watch this guy he's 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 going to be big so he is plugged in to everything and when Young Thug says something like that I know people will be like did Elton John really say that but. I know he did. Like he's, he'll be, mate. He's probably listened to the hundred Gucci Mane mixtapes that were released. From, <laughs> I, I swear to God, he probably has. I saw Rod Wave say y'all connected too. Any, yeah. Any plans to collaborate with him? I would love. I would love to. I would love to. I don't want it to be uh, forced because I feel like his music is so much heart that so it ha- it has to come from from heart. Um, but yeah, I would love to. I think he's. I think he's great and. I'm so happy you kind of put me on to him because on that day, like I'd heard bits and pieces, but on that day I downloaded everything and really mm-hmm. went deep, deep dive. My favorite song is the um, the Through the Wire one. There's so much pain mm-hmm, caught mm-hmm. up deep inside, hard to control it. But you feel with him, you feel everything that he says. And I feel like if we're going to do a song, uh, I need to be singing something that's believable too. I need to. I, I need to. I can't. I can't be on a song with someone as emotive as, as him and not have the same amount of emotion. Yeah, I need that to happen. My last question, man. Why, why math all the time? It was divide. It's been multiplied. It's, it's been yeah, divide, it's equal now. Why so math? I liked uh, Coldplay as a kid, and every time Coldplay released an album, um, everything around the album was centered in you. X and Y, they were all wearing the same sort of thing. It was the same kind of color palette. The music sort of matched into it. The tour looked a certain way. And then it went into Viva La Vida and they changed their way. And it just, each era was like a thing where you look back now and you're, you just, from the way that Chris Martin dresses, you know which, which album it is. So I, I was always like, 
I'm not really like a clothes guy, but I was like, I want each album to be a color and a symbol. So you would get to a point where I could get a billboard in Times Square and it can be red with an equal sign and people go, oh, Ed's got a new album coming out. And mm. I, my, I did my five EPs, um, but, but I basically had like a 15 record plan when no one wanted to sign me because I had all these songs. And I was like, right, no one's going to give me a record deal. So I'm going to go independent. I'm going to make a band EP. I'm going to make an electronic EP. I'm going to make an acoustic singer-songwriter EP. I'm going to make a, a, a live EP. And then I'm going to do a collaborations project. And by the end of that, I'm going to have built up a fan base. And I released all five of them, and I did. My fan base was gone. And then I was like, right, five more. I'm going to do Plus, which is the addition onto all of that. So it's taking all of those songs and taking the best ones and adding some more and then having Plus. Multiply is going to make it bigger, take it worldwide, which it did. Divide was going to be a double album with R&B stuff like Shape of You and then acoustic songs stuff like Perfect. There was going to be an acoustic one. And then Equals was going to be every album, which is kind of what it is, all the sounds of every single album in, in one. Uh, and then that would be the end of the equation. But with the acoustic one that I'd made, it, it's, I was sort of get, gearing up to release it. And I'd made it in lockdown and it's quite a slow, sultry record. And then lockdown was ending. The world mm -hmm. was opening up in England. There was this huge football uh, competition called the, the Euros. That was happening. Pubs were opening. And I had this like sad acoustic record. I was like, I don't want to put this out now. I want to put out Bad Habits. I've got like a song that's going to be a summer tune. So that's why I shifted both the records but I've got five more symbols after that that aren't aren't maths um, but it's more just knowing what it's knowing what to do next it's knowing what your focus is you know like I'm I'm sure I remember sitting with a with a with an A&R um, before I signed in the states and I told him that plan and he said to me t 10 years ago I would have called you crazy and being like why are you doing that but he said but I had someone sit in front of me and say these are the albums that I'm going to do. I'm going to do this concept: college dropout, late registration, graduation, and good ass job. And that, and and those, and these are the subject matters that I'm going to go through the album. Wow. And then you see Kanye execute all of them. But I know he didn't do um, good ass job, but you see Kanye execute all of them. And he knew what the next one. And I'm sure halfway through that he was like, right, let me do one where I don't rap. And he does 808 and, and heartbreaks. And I'm, I'm sure Jesus was on the list of let me make something that's a bit. A bit different but it's just knowing what to do next like i know what the next record is and i know what the next record is and i know what the next record is so when this album's finished there's no wow. there's no void where i'm like fuck what do i do because it's always right this is the next thing i'm doing and um yeah i'm i'm sure when that ends I, i'll be confused but i'm sure when it ends hopefully <laughs> i'm in the uh the what you're saying about the legends and the rarefied atmosphere where you cease giving a fuck and you just do whatever so what success look like to ed um Success, uh, I, I honestly feel like success is every day waking up uh, and doing what I love for a living. It isn't, a, I've never been numbers, I've, I've never been financially orientated. So it's not about how much money, because you, you would know this as well. You get to, you just don't need things. You, like I, my, my family's taken care of. I have a place to live. I feel like I'm set up. Like I don't, I don't have to tour. I like touring. I don't have to release albums. I like I like releasing albums. And when I was younger, I played every day for free anyway. So I would go and play three shows a night for no money because I enjoyed it. It was only when I started making a living from it where that's where I felt successful. When I started getting paid £20 for a show or £50 for a show, suddenly your um, get a real job disappears and you have a real job. So I think that's success. Every single day waking up, 
coming here, man. Like, like we get paid to just talk about music. I know. I'm you sitting know? Here talking to my friend about exactly music on my I say TV this, show. I say this about um, <laughs> footballers that um, footballers that retire, right, and then they uh, start being pundits. And I watch it. I'm like, that's the best job in the world because if they weren't on TV, they'd be at home with their footballer that's friends right. talking about the game anyway. And now they just get to do it and get and get paid for it. So that for me, success is doing what you love for a living every single day. I think. My guy, always a pleasure. Good to see you, brother. Nice. Thank you. If you're blind, too broke for cable, or just can't get enough of my beautiful voice, this is the perfect way to take in the sermons I'm delivering each week. The doors of the church are open. Listen to the God's Honest Truth on the Black Effect iHeartRadio Podcast Network, the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. When the time comes to plan your next big getaway, know we got a destination idea for you. Orlando. Just think about it. The thrills at their 15 world-class theme parks, followed by awesome outdoor adventures, amazing food festivals, and top-notch dining spots. Orlando has all that and much more than you'd expect. In Orlando, anything is possible if you can imagine it. Plan your escape today and save at visitorlando.com. That's visitorlando.com for everything you need for an amazing getaway. Today's episode is brought to you by The American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Anne Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, The American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes Film.com to get tickets now.